Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel, and I'm here as always but with, I'm joined as always by Jake Pavorsky and Josh Brown. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dan. We just recorded one podcast on to the other. Let's do it. I'm excited. West Region, here we go. Jake Pavorsky, how are you? Excellent. As good as I was when we recorded the South podcast. I know Josh <laughs> kind of gave away the, the producer secret of recording podcasts back to back. So the mystique is ruined. I'm, I'm ready to hop into this West region. <laughs> I'm assuming it's still raining in Boston, Josh, where you are, but it's sunny all throughout the whole rest of the country, which is really strange because you would never expect that. Uh, in any event, guys, we're going to talk about the West regional right now, and we're going to start with the play-in games. These West ga- regional games are all going to take place at Cal State Los Angeles uh, in LA. These games are going to take place on Friday, July 13th, Saturday, July 14th, and Sunday, July 15th. All games, including the play-in games, will be streamed on the Watch ESPN app, so be sure to tune in and catch all of the live TBT action that your heart desires. Now, what we're going to start with, guys, again, are the playing games in the West region. We have a 15 playing the 18, and then we have the 16 playing the 17. The winner of these games advances into the round of 64. So the first game that we have out there, guys, is a 15-18 matchup between the Kimchi Express and the Du Bois Dream. Both of these teams are making their third appearance in TBT. I think for Kimchi, this is probably the first year that they can uh, say that they're putting together a team where they expect, uh, if not hope, to win a game. Uh, last couple of years, they've been more of what you would call a participatory team. This year, they've actually gone out and sought real high-level uh, Division One and professional players. The Du Bois dream, as always, is going to bring a lot of heart to TPT, uh, organized by Albert Varichello. And from the uh, Pennsylvania, uh, state of Pennsylvania, they've now decided to travel west, and they're going to uh, see what they can do to find their dream out in LA, just like countless others have throughout the years. But Josh, let's talk real quickly about this matchup between the Kimchi Express and the Du Bois Dream. Yeah, I'm legit excited to watch uh, this game unfold and and see Kimchi and Du Bois. I think they have an upgraded roster as well. Uh, I, I, I'm going to side with Kimchi getting their first ever win in TBT. I've actually heard that Kimchi had, had to turn down a couple of people who wanted to play with them. Um, so they've really done a good job putting the roster together, getting guys who played uh, a lot of guys from Nevada. They have UC Irvine, Mount St. Mary's represented as well. So uh, they've done a great job putting together the roster. And I think they get their first TBT win. Although Du Bois does have a good, um, they've kind of picked things up a little bit, adding, uh, who was it? They had Michael Humphrey, who played at Stanford. That was a big addition for them. And Cameron Fort, who played at Georgia. So I could see it going either way, but I'm going to go Kimchi picking up the win. Jake? You know, I'm I'm proud of these Kimchi boys. I'm excited to watch that team play. These are guys that obviously, it was a group of, of kids that, you know, we're just having fun playing together and having the opportunity to do it on a on a big spotlight. Unfortunately, had to get their butt kicked a lot of times to to do that. But nevertheless, I realized they were tired of getting their butt kicked and decided to put together a real team. And I'll tell you what, this is a really good roster, and I like the way things worked. You got three guys from Nevada, A.J. West, Marcus Marshall, uh, Mar- Marquise Coleman, Byron Wesley, who played at a very high level at Gonzaga and USC as well, and has spent some time overseas in Israel, uh, played in Europe as well. Uh, in the Basketball Champions League, uh, you know, and I spoke to Kyle O'Quinn, who, for those who were at our, our West Regional last year, was maybe Kimchi Express's number one fan and had told him about the changes that Kimchi Express made. Uh, he's very excited about that roster, and uh, hopefully we can get him out there to, to watch a game. Nevertheless, I'm sure he'll be watching those games streamed live on ESPN3. Uh, I'm pulling for my boys from Kimchi. No, uh, um, you know, no disrespect to the guys at, at Du Bois, but uh, Kimchi is a, a true Cinderella story, one that deserves a 30 for 30 or some sort of mini documentary that ends up on a YouTube page. Uh, I would like for them to get the, the publicity that they deserve and, you know, going from 
just a bunch of kids uh, from Los Angeles that spent their their late nights and early mornings recruiting friends to, to vote for their team so they could get their butts kicked by Chris Copeland by 60 points to now having a legitimate chance to winning a TBT game. Uh, my hat's off to you, uh, Daniel Chun. Congratulations on getting this far. The winner of Kimchi Express, the boys' dream, will face the number two seeded team, Colorado, which we'll talk about them later uh, in the uh, round of 64 for TBT 2018. The second game out in LA, which starts at 8.50 Pacific time, is going to be the Utah Valor and the Fort Hood Wounded Warriors. Utah Valor uh, is a first-year TBT team, as is Fort Hood Wounded Warriors. Both teams are playing with a large interest in uh, the military and specifically our veterans uh, that have served the country. Uh, Josh, the Fort Hood Wounded Warriors uh, actually feature several guys that have, have served overseas uh, at various points in their lives, right? Yeah, they have. And again, like you said, tip of the hat to them uh, for all that they're doing. A lot of them are from, uh, I don't want to mispronounce it, Killeen or, or Killian, something like that, Texas. So they're all from the same area. They all know each other. Like you said, um, uh, just uh, guys who obviously uh, you tip your hat to. Uh, they've been playing together in the Texas area for a while. They have a little bit more chemistry than this Utah Valor team, who um, I think a couple of the guys know each other. They have a, a pair of brothers on the team uh, with the Camillo brothers, Daniels and Jamal, and then uh Lamad and Lakeem Duncan. So they kind of have that brotherly connection. But Fort Hood, a little bit more chemistry on that team. So I'm going to say they uh, come away with the win. Uh, Jake, any thoughts on this matchup real quick? Oh, an impressive job by Brian Trace to get this team into CBT. And we saw him tweeting about, you know, putting a Utah Valor team into CBT last year. Didn't get the job done, but, you know, really focused on the offseason, you know, getting things right and having an opportunity to get this team in here. You know, Brian's probably one of TBT's biggest fans. And for him, I'm sure this is a dream come true and getting this team placed in TBT. And obviously, you know, Brian's done a really good job of making his causes known. He's trying to support the military. He's also trying to support uh, you know, diabetes awareness. And I think that he mentioned that if his team was to win the $2 million in TVT, they would donate a portion to Sean Marshall's Challenge ALS team and his cause. So Brian's doing all the right things and being a really good TBT GM. And uh, I hope he's able to have some success in his first year. Brian might be the, the most enthusiastic GM in TBT, just a huge fan of the event. And I think he's probably personally thrilled uh, to be involved as well. Uh, but again, the winner of that 16-17 game is going to get matched up against the number one seeded Team Challenge ALS, the uh, finalist the, the, that lost in the championship game last year to Overseas Elite. Uh, so we'll talk about them uh, in a few minutes as well. Uh, guys, the winner of that Kimchi uh, game, as well as the Dubois game, team uh, game, uh, gets matched up in the second round. I'm sorry, the round of 64 against the second seeded Team Colorado. That's the first game of the day uh, out in LA. Now, because we did that HoopFest pod, uh, as you know, four teams have already played uh, as a subset of this West Regional uh, up in Spokane. So the first game of the day is going to happen at 11 a.m. Pacific time. It's going to feature the winner of that Kimchi Du Bois game versus the second-seeded Team Colorado. Team Colorado was a finalist in 2016, lost a heartbreaker to Overseas Elite uh, in New York that year uh, at Fordham's uh, Rose Hill Gym. Team Colorado comes back as solid and strong as they've ever been. Uh, it looks like a really, really good team. You've got Marcus Hall, who always plays great in TBT, Chris Copeland, as well as Marcus Relford and uh, Richard Roby. Uh, Josh, your thoughts on this Team Colorado team? Yeah, uh, like you said, kind of a, a disappointing ending for them last year after making the championship the year before. All I know is the mayor of TBT, Fran Fraschilla, loves this Colorado team. He knows a lot more about basketball than I do. If he loves them, uh, hence I love them in return. But uh, yeah, returning a lot of the same pieces they had from that run um, 
last year. And and they also return uh, Richard Roby, who who didn't play last year. He played on that team who made the championship. He's back this year. So a big addition for them. You wonder if he can kind of make the difference, kind of a um, versatile player. He's six foot six forward. He can play really positions two for two through four if you need him. So you wonder if that'll make the difference for them. And what's shaping up to be a really tough West region. Colorado is going to have a tough road. They're going to, um, have to get through that Gale Force team if they can get through that first weekend of TBT. So they 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 certainly have their work cut out for them, but uh, returning a lot of the same guys from last year. So we'll see how it pays off for them. Jake, your thoughts on Colorado as a team? How do they match up? Do you think compared to what they had in 2016? I, I think that when you look at this roster, it, it's very point guard heavy. You know, you have four point guards, five point guards on this roster. How do you get a lot of these guys minutes? And obviously, you know, Mark Tall is going to be getting minutes. Uh, you know, maybe the best player on that team, uh, and a TBT all tournament team member, uh, just a couple of years ago. You know, Marcus Hall is certainly going to be holding down the point guard spot and, and leading that scoring charge for them, uh, no doubt. But when Marcus is off the floor, who gets the you know the scoring touch for them? Is it James Wright? Is it Shannon Sharp? Is it Xavier Talton, who's kind of a new member to this team? It'll be curious to see how how things go for them. And when you kind of look at their front line, you know, you have Austin Dufault who comes back this year. Uh, James Scott did not return from last year's team. Uh, it was a big man who never really got to play, but was a recent graduate from Colorado and could have given them uh, some some interesting touch as well. And then you have Jeremy Williams and Calvin Williams on the front lines. But these are kind of guys you kind of play through in the low post, a little bit undersized for bigs. Um, these are not necessarily lob catchers, guys who can kind of play through, I mean, guys that, you know, can throw up the ball to them and they can just go up and get it. And they're not necessarily great rim protectors as well. You know, these are kind of your classic college four or five. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how things go down low for them. Obviously, you do have Chris Copeland, and, and Chris Copeland is sort of a utility man, and, and you put him wherever you want. And I know last year he played for the five for them as well. So if you can get Marcus Hall and Chris Copeland going uh, like they did on that Saturday game last year against Kimchi Express, then you know, anything is possible for that Colorado team. But, uh, you know, those your team's only going to get as far as those two will take you in. I know that they've kind of talked about, you know, this maybe potentially being the last run for this current Colorado squad and maybe trying to turn things over to some of the the younger bunch of, of recent alumni. And I'm sure the older guys don't necessarily like hearing that. So I imagine they'll want to, you know, take this thing as, as far as possible before the wheels fall off. But you can kind of see that this is a team that has really, you know, returned a lot of the same guys over the past couple of years. And obviously they've had some success, but, you know, each and every year it seems like, they lose one more game than they, they typically do. So is this the year that they kind of reverse things, or is this the year where you know they kind of stay in line with the recent trends? We'll see what happens. But I think we kind of a lot of well, this game of the day is going to happen at 12.50 p.m. That's uh, 12.50 p.m. Pacific time. It's the number seven-seeded Everline Drive against the number 10-seeded Broad Street Brawlers. Both of these teams are five-year TBT participants, which is really a great uh, achievement for those uh, those groups of guys that have organized those teams, Brandon Foreman on the Broad Street Brawlers, along with Jake Lerner and Jake Hirschman, Matt Mitchell, and now David Nurse uh, for Everline Drive. So the seven-seeded and 10-seeded teams here, both of these teams seem to be like very likely to be missing a couple of guys and a couple of key guys, and we're not sure exactly who they're going to be yet. There have been some summer league commitments and some summer league obligations that a couple of their players have had, uh, but you never know what's going to show up, and it's possible that these guys will finish up with summer league on Thursday night and drive right over to L.A. and be 
more than ready to go. Uh, but in any event, that's part of the charm of TPT is that these rosters are often in flux right up until the deadline, which this year is 72 hours in advance. I do expect both of these teams will make some key additions to their squads uh, right up on that deadline, which will be on Tuesday, July 10th. So we're not going to go into a ton of detail about who's going to be missing and who's not just because we don't know at this point. But it is fair to say, guys, that these are two talented rosters. And if both have their full squads or anything close to their full squads, Josh, as you've said, I think in the past, this could be the best 7-10 matchup in the history of TBT. Yeah, it, it could be if they have their full squads. I mean, uh, you know, this is something that Everline admits, so I'm not breaking any new ground here. It's just their roster is very talented, but the chemistry just year after year is not there because these guys don't really know each other. The core of this team played two games together last year when they played under the Stickman brand. And again, this is something that Jacob Hirschman has admitted uh, to me over the phone We've written about it before on the tournament.com that that's a challenge that he constantly faces is that these guys don't know each other. So it's hard to build chemistry. Uh, they added Jerome Randall, who again, um, you know, maybe he has a couple connections to guys on this team. Uh, Willie Reed on the team this year, he spent time in the NBA. Uh, Lou Munson played very well for them last year. Um, and you can kind of go on and on. Eldridge is another guy with TBT experience. But uh, unless they have a, a, a training camp plan that I haven't heard about, it's guys coming together who, you know, they have a very good coach in David Nurse, but they, again, they just don't know each other. So it's really tough to to predict them to make a deep run in TBT because you don't know how that chemistry will work out. I mean, what Overseas Elite has done is kind of a flash in the pan. It's the exception to the rule. And uh, some of those guys knew each other, whether it be the DJ Kennedy-Pittsburgh connections or the St. John connections. But for the large for the most part, they hadn't played together. And I don't think that's a, a strategy you can rely on if you're anyone but overseas elite. This uh, Broad Street ball, Brawlers team, excuse me, they have that a couple of Dayton guys. They have a couple of Richmond connections. And I, I've, hear, I've heard that a lot of these guys know each other, um, whether it be from that Philly area or just playing uh, overseas or in college. So um, I, I just kind of like the makeup of this Broad Street ball, uh, Brawlers team a little bit more. So I, in that matchup, pending who shows up, I would go with that 10-7 upset and go with the Brawlers to win that game. So much of this game is just going to depend on who gets there and who doesn't. And, you know, we'll see. It'll be a game time call and probably we'll know about 24 hours in advance. So stay tuned uh, to whatever social media you follow for TBT and maybe we'll have some updates for you on that front. The next game of the day is going to feature the one-seeded Team Challenge ALS. This is at 2.40 p.m. against the winner of the 16-17 matchup between the Fort Hood Wounded Warriors and the Utah Valor. Uh, Team Challenge ALS guys obviously made the championship game last year, really lost a very close and heartbreaking game uh, in the championship game. Casper Ware made the all-tournament team. Sean Marshall was an all-tournament GM, uh, really did a great job of organizing the team and not just the team itself on the court, but also everything that they stood for, which was essentially to raise awareness and potentially funds that they would have donated to Pete Frades, who, uh, as the originator of the Ice Bucket Challenge, was also one of Sean Marshall's roommates at Boston College uh, back when those two were uh, both college athletes at BC. So Team Challenge ALS, guys, obviously was a very, very talented team last year, played with a lot of heart, hustle, determination. They played great defense. Uh, they come back with a roster that is, in my opinion, even better than what they had last year. Uh, they add EJ Rowland. They also add Jeff Ayers. The squad itself looks better to me, Jake, on paper than it did last year. 100%. It's a fantastic team. And, you know, obviously, when you're the final two teams playing for $2 million, you're already pretty good as is. And, you know, they don't really lose a lot of pieces. I, I think the big thing for them is that they return Austin Day, which, you know, at, at first when they were putting together this team for, for 2018, it didn't seem like that was going to be the case. And I think they're very excited to have him back. Obviously, 
Austin was an injury replacement for the Super 16 round when Sean went down with an injury. And, you know, you, you bring in that sort of size and you bring in the scoring touch that he has was very crucial for them down the stretch. A big part of the reason that they were able to get over the hump in Brooklyn, make their way all the way down to Baltimore. Having him there is obviously going to be big. And not to mention you add Jeff Ayers, who was a team a teammate of Sean's in Turkey this past year, as well as a teammate of Austin's uh, on the San Antonio Spurs. And those teams, two players were NBA champions back in 2014. It's an excellent team. You talk about EJ Rowland as well. Turned down a chance to play with the St. Mary's team, the Gale Force squad, to go join up with Sean and this Challenge ALS team. EJ has been around the block. He's played at an incredibly high level in Europe. Turkey, Russia, Euro League, Euro Cup, you name it all. EJ has done that. He gives them solid play on the way, on the, uh, in the, in the backcourt, excuse me, at the one, can play the two a little bit. You put him and Castro Ware in the backcourt together, that's going to rival anything that overseas elite has. I mean, you know, you kind of look at the NBA and, and you see, you know, you know, the Golden State Warriors at the top, the, the cream of the crop. And in the East, you always assume the C- Cleveland Cavaliers were coming out of there when LeBron James was there. This could very well be a similar case in TBC. You know, overseas elite, three time champion. They've done it before, they've seen it before. And Challenge ALS continues to want to knock them off the um, off them off the ledge, and we'll see if they can do it. An excellent team, an excellent story. Uh, I wish Sean and, and his group best this year. We're going to see how this team looks on on the court rather than just on paper. That game will happen at two forty p.m. Pacific time. That's five forty p.m. Eastern live on Watch ESPN. They'll play the winner of that 16-17 play-in game on Friday night. The next game of the day is at four thirty p.m. It features the eight seed team twenty three against the nine-seed City Team Blazers. Team 23, of course, made the championship game in 2015 and lost to Overseas Elite, which is becoming a bit of a theme here uh, for teams in the West because each of the last three years, Overseas Elite has ultimately beaten a team from the West Regional. So Team 23 uh, features four guys from that uh, 2015 championship game team. Uh, I think the most prominent of them probably being Davin White, uh, who really had just one of the best tournaments in TBT history. Uh, that year in 2015. So Davin returns to lead a squad led by Mike Iliano, Ronnie Kadich, uh, and others into TBT. The City Team Blazers are uh, by name a Drew League entry, uh, but I think the roster that they have um, does not exactly match what they play with typically in the Drew League. The most prominent guy on the City Team Blazers team is probably Bobby Brown, who has played the last couple of years with the Houston Rockets uh, before going overseas and finishing the 2018 season with Olympiacos in Greece. Uh, but the City Team Blazers guys are an interesting team. I think they're going to play a lot of, uh, I think they're going to play a very high, 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 how, you, how am I trying to say this? A fast paced game. I think they're going to try to turn the ball, uh, uh, turn the possessions over very quickly, get up and down the court. Bobby Brown's clearly a scorer that can score on almost anybody in the world. Uh, but Josh, your thoughts on this uh, 8-9 matchup, Team 23 versus City Team Blazers? Yeah, when when I was looking over uh, the notes for the podcast, this was maybe the hardest game for me to really kind of dive into on a basketball level. Um, I, I honestly have no idea how this game's going to play out. Like you said, Bobby Brown, probably the most talented player um, in this game. Well, Donovan White would give him a run for his money as well. But, um, you know, you look at him, um, you, you look at Craig Smith, who I remember watching. He's a Boston College guy. I've seen him play. Um, so they're a very good team. I, I, you know, basketball aside, I'm looking forward to watching Roderick Shannon coach this team. He's been um, really a, a kind of a, a trailblazer in the Drew League. He really had no basketball experience, decided one day, hey, I want to get into coaching, really just from watching TV, watching basketball on TV. And all of a sudden, he's won two or three Drew League championships, a couple of other championships in local LA leagues. And he really 
certainly thinks he can use uh, TBT as a way to get into coaching at an even higher level, whether it be um, you know on a staff on a G League team, maybe even reach the NBA one day. But he's a guy who uh, just that story. He watched basketball at home. He's like, hey, I think. Um, you know, he, he was kind of planning in his head, oh, if I was a coach, I would make this adjustment or I'd make that adjustment. He brought it to the Drew League. He's played, he's uh, performed very well there. He was a Drew League coach of the year in 2015. All of a, all of a sudden, he's coaching guys like Bobby Brown for a chance at two, uh, two million. So uh, kind of the American dream on a basketball level right there for <laughs> Roderick Shannon. So uh, got to be interested watching him coach this team. Absolutely. And I'll just say that Greg Maletta, the GM of the City Team Blazers, is one of the most confident GMs in, in TBT history. Uh, this Team 23 team, Jake, uh, is one that obviously has made uh, a great run in TBT in the past. They made the championship game in 2015. They made it to the round of eight, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in 2016 uh, before falling in the second round last year. But they do bring a talented roster, if unheralded, but certainly one that uh, Michael Liano has spent a lot of time building and thinking about uh, as he tries to construct this team. For sure. And it's a lot of the same guys as previous years. And obviously they've had some success with this team. Anytime you have Davin White on the team on the floor for you guys, you know you have a good shot to go as far as you possibly can. And, you know, Larry Owens is a guy with some NBA experience who can kind of play the 3-4 for you. You have Augustin Okasun as well, uh, who spent time uh, playing for, I believe it was the Nigerian national team uh, in, in the FIBA World Cup qualifiers this year. Uh, you know, Brian Prashilla has sung his praises before as a guy who should be playing at a higher level overseas. Uh, and they return Andrew Kelly as well. So they have a lot of pieces on this team that have helped them get the job done before. The thing is, can you get, can you continue to bring back the same players and achieve a high level of success when since 2015, you kind of have not been at that same level as you used to? It remains to be seen. Charlie Westbrook is a great new ad for them. Petit Niang as well, who plays, uh, for a Spanish ACB club overseas. Uh, so they have the pieces and they have a lot of the chemistry that was built over the past couple of years as well as a couple of high level newcomers. Uh, I think this year will, will really, you know, tell the truth whether or not this core of Team 23 players can get the job done for them. Uh, they also have a couple of additions that will be late additions that they're not quite revealing yet. So those guys will undoubtedly be on that roster by Tuesday, mm-hmm. July 10th, which will be the deadline. So I expect to be a couple of difference makers on that squad by the time the games are actually played again that team game tips off at 4 30 p.m pacific time on saturday july 14th live on watch espn guys the one of the i would guess the marquee game uh given the team that's playing in it that happens at 6 20 p.m is going to feature the four-seeded sons of westwood which is a ucla alumni team against the 13-seeded d3 which is a essentially a compilation of uh division three all-stars from the last decade or so uh out in la Jake, you've uh, been in touch closely with Grant Katani, the GM of the Sons of Westwood team. Give us a rundown of this of this squad, what we're likely to see when they uh, hit the court at 6.20 p.m. Pacific time on Saturday, July 14th. I would say I probably speak to Grant Katani three times a day, every day, about this team uh, in terms of roster changes and what he thinks and what's going on. So if there's a Sons of Westwood insider on the staff, I would assume it's me. And I actually have some late roster breaking news uh, in regards to the Sons of Westwood. Uh, they have added Gigi Goldemann, uh, a recent graduate of UCLA who played all four years there, had a really solid senior year there, did not play summer league and has decided to join the Sons of Westwood as they try and take home the $2 million this year. And their first ever run in TVT. Grant is ecstatic. This is a guy that he targeted back for this team uh, in late April, early May. Grant was a, a manager on the team for four years before joining uh, Temple University as a graduate assistant. So it built up a tremendous relationship with a lot of these guys, including Gigi. Uh, he's he's stoked to have him on the team. Unfortunately, Gigi's addition will likely mean the subtraction of Tony Parker, 
who is dealing with a knee injury and they want to play it safe and make sure that they have some front court depth. Uh, but you look at up and down this team and, you know, a lot of, of alumni teams in TBT typically have a more difficult time getting off the ground in year one. This may be as good of an alumni team as you can find in their first year in TBT, maybe ever. Jordan Adams, uh, who played at UCLA for two years, was a first-round pick of the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, spent a couple years in the league with them before hurting his knee. He's been working hard over the past couple of years. He's been out of pro ball as a whole for the past two years. He's been working hard to put his name uh, back on the radar there, whether it be NBA overseas. He's using TBT as a way to uh, catapult his NBA career, his pro career in general. And I think he's looking forward to the opportunity uh, to putting on a UCLA jersey once again. Uh, Matt Barnes, I don't think there needs, there's much that needs to be said about him. This guy played in the league for 15 years. He won a title with the Golden State Warriors in 2017 before gracefully retiring. This is a guy who can score the ball, can be an agitator, can play the three, can play the four. Uh, is perfect for TBT and is very excited to be joining up with these guys again. He was a teammate of Ryan Moose Bailey at UCLA for two years. And Bailey is the head coach of this team, has done a really good job of helping to assist in recruiting some of the older players in this roster. Well, Grant has taken some of the younger ones. Uh, Isaac Hamilton, a four-year player who Grant knows very well. Uh, Malcolm Lee actually reached out to Isaac because he heard about the team through Twitter. That's how much these guys want to be involved with this UCLA team. Uh, they're not, they're recruiting themselves to the team, as well as you have some guys from outside of, uh, uh, UCLA that should be very helpful. Leland King averaged a double double at UCSB this past year. Khalif Wyatt, an incredible player. I, I say that partially because I'm a Temple alum. Uh, but Khalif is, is a fantastic guy who's coming off a torn ACL, uh, returned to Israel in January and after three years was named to the All-Star Game. So that's what people view of his talent, uh, what he can do for them. Grant obviously knows him through Temple. They might be adding one more guy to that roster as well. So you look top to bottom. They've got scoring. They've got size. Uh, they've got defense. They're getting together for a three-day training camp at UCLA before the game starts. So you know they're going to be well-prepared. Uh, they're very excited to get this team off the ground. And I think that they have a, a, as legitimate a shot as anyone uh, to win that West title and make a push for the $2 million. The D3 team, uh, Josh, uh, and I'll give you a little bit of background on them, probably one of the first teams to organize themselves for TBT this year. Michael Rezniak, the uh, head coach and GM of that squad, uh, was emailing as early as September of 2017, gearing up for uh, TBT 2018. And they've had a great plan in place. A couple of the pieces that I think they hope to add were not available. However, they do bring the two-time Division Three National Player of the Year, Joey Flannery, who just made his debut professionally in Spain this past season, uh, as well as a couple of other guys that have really had really successful careers at the Division Three level. And I think there's probably a perception uh, that uh, this is a team that's out here to have fun. And I think the reality is that they've been getting together and had a training camp last week uh, to get themselves ready and on the same page, I think they'll probably they'll have their work cut out for them against this UCLA team, particularly if it gels as it should, Josh. But this D3 team is not one to be overlooked. No, I mean, you mentioned the accolades there. Flattery leading the charge with a two-time player of the year. Almost every one of these guys has either been an all-star or won a national championship at the D3 level. I mean, these are all accomplished guys. Like you said, missing out a couple of guys they would like to have, but um, literally some of the best D3 players that have gone through the ranks in the last couple of years. Uh, they're very well coached. You mentioned Regniak, Matt Droney. I actually watched him in high school play for Catholic Memorial. Uh, he used to shred BC high. Those names ring true to Dan as being a local guy. I don't know how many other guys know. That's a huge rivalry down here. Matt Droney, one of the smartest players ever to come out of 
uh, Massachusetts. He kind of uh, jumped around a little bit once he got to the college level, but he is a very well-regarded guy here down in Boston. And like you said, they just had a training camp. Um, it might have been at Catholic Memorial, actually. I think Jerome, you might have gotten them in. I'm not sure exactly where it happened. But uh, like you said, Dan, very accomplished guys. They're guys who have all won either at the D3 level or, or gotten or earned some really high awards. As uh, Seth Greenberg said uh, in TBT, it doesn't matter where you played. Uh, they're out to here to prove that, you know, they can ball with the best. And uh, I'm intrigued. I said it in my power rankings a couple of times. I don't know if they'll win the game or they'll lose by 50, but I'm intrigued either way to see how it ends up turning out. So it's, it's I mean, what better scenario could you have for a bunch of kids that played at the D3 level to, than to go out to LA and play a UCLA alumni team? Yeah. Uh, and have that game streamed around the world and watch ESPN. They're going to be excited about it. I know they're going to be well prepared. Uh, you know, the cliche is that D3 players know how to play the game. And I, I suspect that these guys are going to know exactly what they're doing on the court. Okay. The last game of the night out in LA on Saturday, July 14th is going to be the 8 10 p.m. matchup. That's at 11 10 Eastern time between the five seated Forks Up and the 12 seated Albuquerque Hoops. Uh, I'll tell you right off the bat, Forks Up is going to have to add a couple players because it sounds like they've had. One guy lost to overseas commitment. One guy lost to injury. Uh, another guy got called up to his national team. And they have some guys that have been called into summer league. So this is a team that may not live up to that five seed. On the meantime, in the meantime, I should say, Albuquerque Hoops is a team that is based exclusively with guys from Albuquerque. They're all playing together all summer. And they have one of the best guards, Josh, in TBT and Scott Bamforth. Uh, your thoughts on this 5-12 matchup that takes place at 8-10 p.m. Yeah, did I know Bamforth has become one of your favorite players to watch in TBT, and rightly so. He's a, an electric guard on this team. I, you kind of mentioned it there, Dan. I'm going the upset. That's going to be my big upset, if you can call it that, in the West region. I like Albuquerque hoops in this game. Bamforth leading the charge, but they also have uh, De- Devon Williams, who went to New Mexico. I'm hearing good things about Mon- uh, excuse me, Manya Pratt, who went to Stillman, uh, but he's been kind of a force overseas and also in that New Mexico um, kind of basketball community. Um, so yeah, I mean, these are guys who you probably haven't heard a lot a lot about them heading into TBT, but with Bamforth leading the charge, I think they're going to be a really good team, especially with kind of some of that uncertainty around Forks Up right now. I'm going to go with uh, Albuquerque with the upset in that matchup. Josh, I mean, uh, Jake, your thoughts on this matchup between the what you know had originally been an Arizona State alumni team is going to feature some other guys uh, and the 12 seeded Albuquerque Hoops. Yeah, Albuquerque Hoops did an impressive job of kind of throwing themselves into the mix in the last two weeks of the application period. A very late sign-up, you know, charged through the leaderboard in the West to kind of buy themselves a, a spot in, in the event with uh, the popularity votes. And, uh, you know, any time you have Scott Bamforth on your team, kind of in the same sense as Davin White, you have a good shot of winning games. And, uh, you know, brings a lot, along a lot of his friends from New Mexico, uh, including one player uh, who was actually – Played in New Mexico for several years before dealing with a heart condition. And actually, it wasn't a heart condition, excuse neck. me. It was a back injury, a yeah. neck injury. Yeah, it was a spinal injury uh, that caused him to really, uh, you know, put his career on halt and is actually using TBT uh, to relaunch his playing career. Uh, so it's a great opportunity to kind of get himself an opportunity, uh, you know, using ESPN, getting in that spotlight. Uh, so, you know, Devin Williams is the name, played at the University of New Mexico. So, the hope is that, you know, Devin will be an X factor for them and, you know, is in his battle and return to, to getting on the court. And we'll see what happens with this Forks Up team. Derek Glasser, who is the head coach of that team and played at Arizona State for a couple of years, they might end up needing him to, to suit up. And Derek is actually a, uh, a teammate of James Harden in high school. James Harden obviously spends a lot of his time during the offseason 
in Los Angeles. I imagine that Bo Barnes and Derek are going to make sure that they have a solid team if uh, James is in attendance, which you never know who shows up at a TVT game. Uh, and he certainly could be one of those guys, especially with Bobby Brown, a former teammate, very good friend of his, uh, playing on the City Team Blazer game. And coincidentally, I believe those games are back-to-back. Uh, so there's a very good chance that, that James could be in the building. And I imagine that Forks Up team is going to want to, you know, try and get things together to, you know, make sure that they, they show out in front of James. Either way, it's going to be an exciting game uh, because, you know, like I said, you never know who's going to show up. You never know who's going to play, um, especially in situations where, you know, kind of know in advance that there might be a couple of issues with that roster. So we'll see what happens in that 5-12 matchup again. That's at 8-10 p.m. That's the last game of the day on Saturday, July 14th streaming live on Watch ESPN, ESPN3. All right, guys, that's going to conclude the West Regional Preview. I'm going to put you on the spot just like I did with the South and ask you who you have advancing. Who are the four teams you have? We'll start with Jake. We're going to go ALS. We're going to go Sons of Westwood. Obviously, we have Gale Force in the mix already, and then Team Colorado. So, you know, chalk, chalk. again, like, yeah. like the South, like the West. <laughs> it's, it's a top-heavy region, but like I said, you know, with the South, four incredible teams. And I know we didn't really talk about the Spokane Hoop Fest pod in review. Uh, watching that Gale Force team, uh, they are incredible. You know, top to bottom, one, one of the more complete teams that we've seen in TBT in recent memory. They run an offense that is, you know, if you're kind of a hoops nerd like me who likes breaking down film and watching stuff, some of the sets that they run are just absolutely gorgeous. A lot of screens, uh, a lot of stuff for their shooters, and the fact that they might return Edmund Nard, their all-time assist leader from Summer League, and Diamond Simpson, who is their all-time blocks, uh, steals, and rebounds leader, from professional duty in the Philippines on top of a stack team that already shot the ball well and blew out Gonzaga by 48 points. Uh, they're going to be tough to beat. So good luck to anyone who runs into them. <laughs> Josh, your thoughts on who you, who are the three you, you're going to pick to advance from the West? Yeah, I'm going to go with Team Challenge ALS. I'm going to go with Albuquerque Hoops in that second pod. Uh, I, I think the other two alumni teams, a little bit too much up in the air right now. I know Sons of Westwood's kind of finalizing their roster, but I like Albuquerque to advance in that second pod. And then um, I, I, I guess I'll go Colorado in that fourth pod, obviously Gale Force the third. So, yeah, I'm going to go Challenge ALS, Albuquerque, and Colorado. Jake did a great sales job for me on the Sons of Westwood. So I've got them playing Albuquerque in the second round, and I'm, I'm probably going to lean Sons of Westwood. I like Challenge ALS. I think Team 23 or the City team, either one of those teams is going to put up an awesome fight, and that's going to be a great second-round game. But I do think Challenge ALS uh, is going is to prevail. Uh, you know, We'll see what happens on the bottom half of the bracket in terms of who shows up because I think on paper, Broad Street or Everline um, are a lot better than what may end up on the court. So we'll see what happens next weekend. Uh, hopefully both of those teams are playing at full strength. If they're not, then um, I think Colorado is probably going to get through, you know, but we'll see. Uh, in any event, guys, uh, this has been the preview for the West Regional. We're going to continue these uh, previews as we go forward in the Midwest and the Northeast. Those are the second two regionals that will take place. Those will happen on July 20th, 21st, and 22nd from Columbus, Ohio, and Brooklyn, New York, respectively. Remember that you can tune into TBT and catch all of the West action from Friday night all the way through the last game on Sunday on the Watch ESPN app, ESPN3. Uh, Jake, I didn't talk about this on the uh, preview that we did for the South Regional, but it is important to remind everyone where they can find TBT on social media. Do you recall all the platforms on which they might find us? You can find us at the tournament on Twitter, on Instagram. It's the dot tournament. And on Facebook, it's the basketball tournament. Three words, pretty easy. Easy, easy. Josh, why would you not follow TBT on social media? 
I, I have no idea. We used to go all out. We were on Peach and Fuzz, and I don't even remember the names of all the platforms. We keep it simple for you now. The big three, follow them all. Great content, great things coming out there. Absolutely. Remember to tune into TVT all summer. We'll be playing live all throughout the summer and finishing up on the championship game on August 3rd. Guys, we didn't really really talk about how great the Elam ending is. I know everyone's excited about that, but you're going to see every game in TPT this year feature the Elam ending, and that's something to be excited about too. All right, guys, thanks again for your time. Fans, thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with more previews and more interviews as the summer progresses. 